0: He's been called the Biden whisperer by Politico and has been said to maintain almost family-like ties with the former vice president. His name has been kicked around for a cabinet post, and conservative columnist George Will wrote that he should be secretary of state in a Biden administration. He sits on the Senate's Judiciary Subcommittee, and with us today is Senator Chris Coons of Delaware. Senator, thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks, Justin. Great to be on with you
0: so so let's start with uh, with last night 's debate. Uh, how do you think it went? Have you well, first of all, for as close as you are with the former Vice President, have you spoken to him since the debate?
1: Oh, we haven't spoken since the debate, but I know if we did, he 'd feel as I do um, that he did a very strong job last night. It was a resounding victory. Uh, I was there at the first debate in Cleveland, and that, in all the time I 've been in politics, that was one of the most remarkable, frankly awful experiences I 've ever had. Uh, Donald Trump was uh, aggressive, belligerent, bullying, uh, not just the moderator and the audience. And the second debate, as you know, had to be canceled, uh, largely because President Trump got COVID-19. So this third and last debate is one where I'm convinced that the American people who tuned in uh, saw a man who was trying to act presidential and a man who was ready to be president. Uh, Joe connected, he conveyed his clear plans. He once again reminded us he's a compassionate person, who's focused on our
0: families and on moving our country forward. Now, given that this was completely different than the first debate and and it was a little closer to a traditional debate in that there weren't all the interruptions, you know, know, it was different than the Cleveland Cleveland debate. Do you think it moved the needle at all or is everybody kind of decided at this point?
1: I think undecided voters who tuned in, who maybe four years ago um, thought, you know, why not? I'll take a chance on Donald Trump looked at the two of them, and saw a guy who's never forgotten that he's from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and from Claymont, Delaware, that he cares about and will fight for the American middle class, and a guy who's out of touch, a guy who spent most of his life on Park Avenue, and literally said, we're just going to have to learn with it about this pandemic. This pandemic that's taken 220,000 Americans and is projected to take that many more lives before the end of the year. President Trump reminded us that over the last four years, he keeps promising to show us his taxes, show us his health plan. He says there's a vaccine right around the corner. And all of that's just not true. So he may have been interrupting less, but he was no less untruthful
0: last night than he was in the first debate. Now, you you mentioned uh, the the president not having a health care plan, which does move me into the next thing, which is that, uh, you know, you sit on the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee symbolic moves aside, there's really probably nothing the Democrats can do to stop Amy Coney Barrett from being confirmed to the Supreme Court, which would move the court significantly to the right. And hanging in the balance, among other things, is potentially the future of the Affordable Care Act. Now, Joe Biden is running on the idea of expanding the Affordable Care Act, but is he running a very serious risk that he may not have a lot to build on and have to start from scratch and be working against a Supreme Court precedent?
1: There is a real risk um, that if the Republicans are determined to force her onto the court, even now 11 days before the election, and I'm convinced they are, that she may well join this new conservative majority uh, in reaching back and overturning a law that's been settled for eight years. And I'll remind you, the Affordable Care Act doesn't just provide access to health care for 20 million Americans who can't get it any other way. It provides protections against pre-existing condition discrimination, which protects over 130 million Americans. And it protects every woman in America from being discriminated against by insurance companies charging higher rates just because they're women. So it impacts a majority of Americans. And you're right, if we're going to be moving forward with stronger healthcare for all Americans, just after a new conservative majority has struck down, the legal basis of the, the Affordable Care Act, um, we're going to have a lot of work ahead. But we know that now. We know that the Trump administration has made a wreck of our economy, has let this pandemic gone on far longer than it ever should have, that there's uh, more disruption and difficulty in division um, that we're going to have to deal with. So if this new activist conservative majority on the Supreme Court that Republicans are racing to push in actually undoes the whole of the ACA we're going to have a lot of work ahead that's right
0: so so what does that work entail are we talking legislative work or are we getting yes. into things like court packing or changing the judiciary in some way
1: well we've now heard Republicans change their tune and while they claim that they are protecting pre-existing conditions they've not yet produced any plan in fact the president and his Department of Justice and most Republican governors are in the Supreme Court trying to overturn it That's because it's popular. So, yes, we would have to legislate, again, protections against preexisting condition discrimination. But Republicans, although they're not actually doing it, are saying that they, too, are committed to it. So um, we'd at least start on a better ground than we did uh, 10 years ago when it was passed the first time.
0: So so rhetorically, they're backed into a corner to where everybody would have to protect pre-existing conditions in any new legislation should it be drafted. Is that is that my understanding? That's right.
1: The average American has bought into the idea that insurance companies shouldn't be able to drive you into bankruptcy or drop your insurance at exactly the moment when you need it the most.
0: Now, another topic that came up last night that uh, that the Trump people are seizing on is Biden's position on fossil fuels and the, the oil and gas industry, do you think he's doing an adequate job explaining what his position is and, and, and what is that position exactly?
1: Well, to be clear on fracking first, um, Joe came out early and said no fracking on public lands. That really doesn't impact most of the states east of the Mississippi. In Pennsylvania and Ohio and New York, um, there isn't currently fracking on public lands. It's overwhelmingly on private lands. He has put out a strong plan for climate change and for renewable energy, for how we're going to create a new generation of high-paying union jobs, installing windmills, servicing solar panels, and gradually transitioning from an oil-dependent economy to a sustainable, renewable economy. Uh, And I think that's the sort of plan that he talked to last night. Donald Trump showed that his view of wind power is that it kills too many birds, Uh, Joe Biden made it clear that he recognizes this will be a long transition, but it's an important one for us to get going on and it can create good jobs. And he made it clear last night that he sees the natural gas, the energy independence that comes from fracking as a big part of that transition.
0: Among the undecided voters who are left, one of the (laughs) tactics that the the president's campaign is hitting, I, I mean, I just watched an ad this morning, Is this idea of Joe Biden's son Hunter making money or in some way, and it seems a little amorphous, but the idea that there's that he's in a position that he may have been able to use his father's influence to get to, is there concern, regardless of the veracity of any specific claim, is there concern that among those undecided voters, this kind of talk muddies the waters among them and it actually could hurt him?
1: Well, two things. Yes, that's exactly why Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon and the people around him who pulled this off four years ago are trying it again, is that it may, as you put it, muddy the waters. But you started that question by saying, regardless of the veracity of the underlying claims. Well, let's just be clear about that. There's no truth to these underlying claims. This has been investigated over and over, including recently by two different Senate committees chaired by Republicans who after months of digging into the details could not produce a shred of evidence that anything wrong happened here. And I also frankly think the best proof or evidence we've got is that Joe Biden's released 22 years of his taxes and finances. We know how much money he's got and where it came from. Donald Trump has never released his taxes and hides behind the excuse that they're under audit, which everyone agrees is not an excuse. If Donald Trump wants us to believe his accusations, he ought to start by being accountable and transparent to the American people himself. Recent reporting suggests strongly that Donald Trump last year paid more taxes to China than he did to the United States.
0: So now just a little bit of a week, a little bit uh, more than a week away until the election, the polls seem to indicate that the the former vice president has a lead. If you look at national polls, it looks like it's a big lead. If you look at state by state, it's a little narrower. So how much faith do you place in that? And what's the strategy for that final week? Uh, I mean, is it sort of sit on the lead or um, is it more of a run, run hard, run scared? What is it? Um, The only strategy that makes sense is to run hard, run scared and work
1: tirelessly um, because, as we know, 2016 was decided by a tiny margin—tens of thousands of votes in just three states. National polls are meaningless because we elect our president by state through the Electoral College, and there's a handful of states where Joe Biden has a small but a sustained lead within the margin of error. So, I hope everybody who is watching now will go to iwillvote.com/oh. slash oh and get the details about how, when, and where to vote in your immediate area. Make a decision you're going to vote, and then make a plan for how to get out there and vote safely, whether to do it in advance, in person, uh, by mail, by absentee, uh, or on election day. Everybody should vote and make sure their vote is counted.
0: Now, in places like the Mahoning Valley, I always have to ask about this, because these are voters who are sort of the, they've been painted even nationally as the face of the, the Trump voter, because they were lifelong Democrats. They'd spent forty years voting for Democrats on trade issues, manufacturing yep. issues. And they heard Donald Trump say things that they liked and that they supported for a long time, at the same time that they heard people like Hillary Clinton and and quite frankly, Joe Biden support trade deals that they felt sold them out, like NAFTA. What is what is the Joe Biden case to flip them back to the to the Democratic Party? Um, first that Joe Biden
1: grew up in a blue collar manufacturing working family in Scranton and in Claymont, that he knows what it means to have your parents sitting around the kitchen table trying to figure out how to pay the bills, how to afford a new set of tires, how to pay the rent, how to make it possible for one of the kids to go to parochial school, the one who's got some real promise and you want to make it to college. He knows what that feels like and looks like. Donald Trump was mocking that last night in the debate. Because frankly, if you think about it, Donald Trump doesn't have a kitchen table and he's from a family that's never had to sit around that kitchen table and figure out those tough choices. Joe Biden showed that he's got deep empathy, that he cares about other people, that he knows what it feels like to reach across your bed in the middle of the night for your spouse who's no longer living, no longer with you and to feel that emptiness. He knows what it was like when his dad had to make that longest walk a father ever makes to come upstairs and say, son, I lost my job and I'm going to have to leave for a while and go look for work somewhere else. Folks in the Mahoney Valley have had those experiences that know what it's like to lose your job.